listeners, welcome to tan 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 tan, the only podcast hosted by two um recently newly minted inheritors of a large amount of money. We are mm-hmm. um lavishly enjoying our new lifestyle of horse riding and wearing monocles and smoking fancy pipes and we can't wait to continue this for the rest of our life we're very to trust me we're very comfortable in this lifestyle i'm sarah i'm janos who are pondering their crystal ball <laughs> oh no mine broke ah <laughs> Oh no, Sarah took a nap before this. This is true. And then then they woke up and we were like, okay, we can record now. Yeah, you know, um, I I can only wake up to, you know, shout about um random things. Which, I mean, to be fair, that's kind of yeah. just what podcasting is. So really, it's an optimum state for podcasting. This week, lads, uh, we watched... No, we didn't watch anything. We read <laughs> we did the... <laughs> Listen, I was watching my copy very carefully to see if it pulled yeah. any tricks, and it didn't. But we read the seven crystal balls. Yeah, I was watching the images from up close to like figure out how he does the, uh, how he does the whiskey trick, which mm. you want to learn. I I can figure that one out. But I do think magic is real. It would be just such mm. a financially speaking, it would be so helpful to just like turn your water into whiskey. Yeah, like even if even if it was only like shit whiskey, you could probably like you could sell that to like teenagers. They're not yeah. gonna know. You can turn up to shit whiskey if you really have to. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing? How's your vibes? How did you find this one? I found this one. Well, there was some problematic stuff in this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, which is rough because like at the same time, it's like plotting wise, you know. It's some of the mm. tightest stuff. It's like, definitely I think. one of the better ones. Yeah, a shame about the whole, like, indigenous stuff, I guess. Yeah, because it's like while, <clears throat> like, while he does make a point of being like, hi, it, it, I think it, it's bad to, like, go and, like, desecrate the graves of yeah. ancient indigenous societies in the sake of science. Like, if it, the, the book is very much like, hi, yeah, th- that's a bad thing. But then it, it it's it's still like oh but you know all the obviously all the there's just like bad indigenous guys and they're doing bad things and we should protect yeah. the white people from them anyway. And we have to we'll either look like a fool if we read the next one and it turns out it was like a red herring, uh, or we're gonna look like a fool for for saying that he might like still like you know make the indigenous guy not the bad guy. So we're gonna look like fools either way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, I, I want to reserve judgment on that still until we read Prisoners of the Sun. But like, just like looking at the cover for Prisoners of the Sun, there's like yeah, potential for it to be, it's a, it's a little <laughs> to be problematic. Thanks, Serge. Um, <laughs> I, do, I do love a lot of stuff in this one. Um, mm. and we'll get to all of that. But yeah, speaking of Serge problematic moments. <laughs> So you might notice if you look at like the publication dates for this one, Mm-mm. is that it was, uh, it started publication in 1943, mm-hmm. and it was released in like the, the the like copyright in this one like when it was finished and it was released in album format was in 1948, which is a really long time. Like previous yeah. ones usually took like two years. This one yeah, took how's our buddy Hershey doing? 
five years to complete. It turns out there was a lot going on in his life. Between um, 1943 and 1948? Yep. Can't, can't yep. imagine why. But we're going to have to go back in time a little bit mm-hmm. before we get to that, because we have to meet another guy. I want to introduce you to Edgar P. Jacobs. It sounds like a fake name, but it's not as fake as it sounds, because his mm-hmm. real name is Edgar Felix Pierre Jacobs. <laughs> Jacobs. I don't know if he's like of... Uh, English descent, or if he just randomly has an English-sounding last name, mm-hmm. but he's a he's a comic writer who will later uh, become known for the comic Blake and Mortimer. But the main thing you have to know about him is that this guy loves opera, right? Um, and for for like the first like twenty years of his professional career, like as he graduated high school, he did two things. He did drawings and illustrations and stuff. And then he did like just like all sort of work in and around the opera, including like stage paintings, uh, scenography, uh, but sometimes also as an extra and even as an opera singer, as a baritone mm-hmm. uh, in, uh, in Brussels. And in 1941, he was... Uh, working as a stage painter for a theater adaptation of Cigars of the Pharaoh. Okay. I feel like I've heard, I think I've heard of that one. I do remember yep. reading it on the Cigars uh, wiki page. Yeah, it was it was like a, a adaptation it was called like Tintin in India or something. Mm, yeah. Um, but he was working on that and through that he got to know Hergé. Like the stage adaptation was like not successful but they kind of like hits it off pretty well. And in 1942 uh, Hergé uh, was asked by uh, by his publisher that uh, well, all these all these comics that you've drawn in black and white they're not selling as well as colored comics do, so you should just like go back and uh, and colorize all the previous ones and put them in like an album format. Um, so he starts working on that, but he needs some help because he's also like writing his main books, and one of the guys he hires for this is. Edgar Jacobs, um, and they begin a friendship that's gonna last for a bit. Um, one thing that happens during their friendship is uh, Edgar Jacobs takes Hergé to the opera <laughs> because he loves it so uh-huh. much. But Hergé fucking hates it. Edgar <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> According to Wikipedia, which I don't know how true this is, but according to Wikipedia, uh, it says, uh, Erge did not like opera, and for decades he would gently lampoon his friend Jacobs through the device of opera singer Bianca Castafiore. Oh my fucking god. <laughs> so that's, you know, that's one thing going on. But meanwhile, Erge is also working for Le Soir, uh, and we mentioned already, you know, Nazi occupation is happening, and this newspaper is also occupied by the Nazis um, and things are like going not too great at Le Soir like one of the editors like editors-in-chief gets fired because he says that the Nazis are idiots um, and there's like huge restructuring because of that uh, mm. and but nevertheless he starts beginning uh, he starts writing Seven Crystal Balls for Le Soir um, and he asks Jacobs, uh, Edgar Jacobs, also to uh, collaborate on this. Um, mm-hmm. Mainly, he does like 
research work so he goes to like the ethnographic museum and looks at like what things the belgians have stolen (laughs) from uh, south america Mm. (laughs) and uh among other things like this this mummified uh, inca corpse was is also based on something that jacobs finds in this museum Um, Mm -hmm. so there's that uh but you know there's Political upheavals happening in 1944. Uh, mm. Hergé gets a little bit worried that the side that his newspaper has taken is uh, on the losing side, and there's this thing called the resistance uh-huh. uh, that uh, that is like trying to find Nazi collaborators. Uh, <laughs> and a lot of them like get executed, uh, so he has like a lot of health issues. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, and and is also just like, you know, his his mental and corporal health is not doing greatly during this yeah. time. So he has like a bunch of hiatuses in the like early publication of, of this story and this ends in like in end of nineteen forty four where he gets arrested as a collaborator. Uh-huh. Um, by the resistance. Uh and there's a long like judicial procedures uh there's like him and a lot of his friends get arrested and a lot of his friends actually get sentenced to death um or like long jail times uh but in rj's case uh the prosecutor is like well he's he's saying the same thing that we've been saying like all along (laughs) that he's kind of an idiot who doesn't really understand (laughs) the political landscape but like the actual (laughs) contents of like what he does is like whatever so here's uh, this guy named Vincent, uh, mm-hmm. who is the uh, prosecutor in this case, um, says, um, I am inclined to close the case. I believe it would bring ridicule to the judicial system to go after an inoffensive children's book author and illustrator. On the other hand, Ergé worked for Le Soir during the war and his illustrations are what made people buy the newspaper. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, you know, you kind of brought this on yourself here, Ergé. Yeah, yeah. But this leads to a key... He spends, like, a short time in jail. Like, he's not really... You know, he spends, like, a night in jail. And there's this investigation that he's not, like, allowed to continue um, publicizing um, the Seven Crystal Balls. So what he does instead in, like, 1944 and 45 is um, to continue working on colorizing the older ones mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, with... Uh, you know, with the team that he's acquired, like Edgar Jacobs is one of them. There's also some other people. Some of them, uh, Wikipedia says, it didn't get along well <laughs> with. Um, but yeah, that's that. That kind of happens until like this. You know, this this hiatus is going on until December 1945, where his case is closed. Um, mm-hmm. And the closing, then the statement about this is uh, in regard to the particularly inoffensive character of the drawings published by Remy. Uh, bringing him before a war tribunal would be inappropriate and risky. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah. That's the initial, you know, initial case against Ergé, the one that says on, on Wikipedia it's called post-war controversy 1944-46. to mm-hmm. This isn't going to be the end of mm-hmm. Ergé's controversy because for the rest of his life, this is going to come up. People are going to keep bringing this up. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, he never quite recovers from this stain on his character yeah yeah 
Um, so I don't know if we're gonna have to. We'll see in 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 future books if there's gonna be like major scandals where it comes back. But I think mm-hmm. like that's you know the closure on that chapter. You know, he. I don't think because there's like some people I've seen like one article when I googled Asia like at the beginning or like, before we even started this show. There was like one article that was like making a case on how you think Tintin is harmless children's comic, but actually. You know, it has Nazi propaganda in it, and it did. It brought up the the collaboration stuff, but then it also went to a direction of, and the character of Tintin is Aryan, and he is supposed to be like mm, uh. the the Nazi ideals Ubermensch. I think like that goes a little bit too far. Like, yeah, because like at the end of the day, like, oh, Tintin is a secret Nazi is like really good clickbait. Yeah. Like, it's kind of a juicy story, and you can see why it would continue to be written about and written about and appear on my YouTube homepage to yes. this day. Like, there is some genuinely incredibly harmful stuff, you know, especially in Treat Star, we talked about that. And, like, the point of Hergé's comics were what got this Nazi paper sold. Like, those are, like, oof, fucking... Those are, like, some, like, hefty... Things that, like, you know, probably deservedly haunt Hergé for the rest of his life. But, like, at the end of the day, like, it's very easy to just be like, hey, let's make a whole show of this because this will also sell papers, you know? Yeah. Yeah, the fact that, you know, his thing sold the papers is, like, you know, not great. But at the same time, he also, like, went from the approach from the opposite end where he was like, this paper sells well. So, like, if I put my comic in that, it's gonna also sell well. Yeah. So, like, you know, which one was the reason for it selling well? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I like that the... I think it, I think it's interesting, even the initial, like, prosecution was, like, well, it, he mainly drew children's comics, like... Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> it, it, like, it, again, like, as we keep saying, like, he's just kind of an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Um. Um. Speaking of him being an idiot, like, he... Uh, the the end of the story is in 1946. Uh, he's he's asked by like some other people that he should start his own magazine. Um, so he's, uh, he establishes Tintin Magazine or Tantam Magazine, I guess. Tantam Magazine. Uh, and uh, yeah, and he keeps uh, he you know when when this magazine starts it starts with uh, continuing Seven Crystal Balls. He has. He gets like in his in his own magazine. He has a two page spread every issue. Um, I wonder if this is how I assume this is a weekly. Yeah, it's a weekly. It's a weekly magazine that uh, where Ergie has a two page spread uh, every week. So uh, you know, in previous ones, like in the very old ones, if we had like cliffhangers every page at the end of every page, now it's mm-hmm. gonna be you know. He has a little bit more space to work. Cliffhangers are going to be more like at the end of the double page. Mm. Um, the collaboration with Edgar Jacobs ends with... Um, well, Jacobs gets a paid position uh, mm-hmm. for like helping him. He also, in once this once this book is finished, he asks uh, RJ that he, he should get like some credit on this. Uh, and RJ declines, which says... Uh, oh my god. <laughs> results in a strain in their friendship... For a while, uh, they somehow did 
uh, even this out and uh, Jacobs's own comic called Blake and Mortimer uh, will also start publication around this time in Tintin magazine. Hmm. Hmm. He may not. It's, it's kind of an opposite Zhang situation where uh, or Zhang situation where like Zhang uh, declined getting credit on the Blue Lotus. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of wondering if um, Hajime hadn't hated opera so much, if he would have accepted the credit. <laughs> <laughs> he he will bring back the funny uh, opera is bad thing for like the rest of the run of the comic. So I uh, I assume it doesn't get it doesn't get that bad between them. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, huh. Still kind of just give him credit on this. Like, come on. Yeah, damn. That's that's quite a lot of drama, huh? Yeah. There's a mention that uh, Ajay had been jealous of the immediate success of Jacob's own comic, Blake and Mortimer. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah. yeah, seems right. Like, he also, when, when Tintin starts publishing, he will also get, like, really jealous of, uh, of, of, of Spirou magazine, um, the, like, the, like, main rival mm. being more successful. Uh, he gets really, he gets really mad at Asterix because that that <laughs> one becomes extremely funny. Yeah. Considering the only reason I know about Tintin is because the Thompson twins showed up at Asterix <laughs> that one time. Yeah, I mean, Asterix was, I think, like publicized on its own, like independent, but it was because uh, Gossini, like the writer of uh, of of Asterix, already got like a huge break writing uh, Lucky Luke in, mm. which was published in Spirou magazine. So it like already started from a rival position, right? Yeah. So like so, nineteen forty six is when Downtown Magazine starts. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We'll we'll. I, I didn't... guess keep tabs on that. Yeah. And how it develops. I didn't really see like not notice reading this any like noticeable break that that's where the hiatus must must have been. Mm, like, I don't mm. know about you. I I only read this like history after i read the comic and it wasn't like something that stuck out to me yeah, maybe if i not... reread it now i'd notice it but i don't think it's very there's obvious. not it's not like you get too hard and it's suddenly like different or anything like yeah it's all kind of like again this is probably one of the most best intricately plotted ones that we've read i think so although it is kind of funny that at one point calculus just doesn't doesn't show up for the rest of the comic <laughs> like <laughs> But yeah, do you want to get into it? Let's just get into it. Let's ponder our seven crystal orbs. I'm pondering. I'm fucking pondering, bro. God, I um, love the... B- before we get into this, uh, I love the whole uh, Haddock is trying to act like a fancy man for like two thirds of the comic. It's so... Because like you mentioned it last time and I'm like, I like don't really remember this. I don't really have memory of this one in particular. And it's just like seeing him and his monocle and his introduction of like Nestor be like, oh, the master of the house is coming. Oh no, wait, it's just his horse. Here comes the master of the house now <laughs> behind him and like Haddock just, it's like so fun. Just the panel of where the horse is coming is so funny to me. The horse looks so satisfied with itself somehow. Yeah. It's the smallest drawing of a horse ever, but still it's like, yeah. Um, it's such a smug horse. Actually, the, the, the comic proper uh, starts out with Tintin on a train. He is reading in the paper about this expedition of seven scientists having returned from excavating an Inca tomb in uh, Bolivia, I think. Yes. At Peru and Bolivia. And like, there's this guy sitting beside Tintin on the train, like reading over his shoulder. He's like, oh, bad things are going to come of this. Like, this is going to be some Tutankhamun shit again. Like, 
and like he mentions he's like oh doesn't it fucking suck like that like people just like go excavate tombs like what if like yeah. what would we say if the egyptians or the peruvians came over here and started digging up ira kings eh and like and tintin has no counter argument he's just like oh okay i gotta go bye um but you know some kudos to Hage for starting out with this being like hi colonialism might be like a little bit bad just like a tiny little bit yeah. bad oh yeah that's that's a, that's the thing i didn't really mention but like this was uh one thing i found interesting about like and this this doesn't really relate to like the political stuff going on just like to Hage's process is that yeah. uh you know, it says much like the previous, much like the last one, it was planned out as a two-parter uh, from the start. Um, mm. And his plan was that the first part is a mystery and the second part is an adventure. Oh, that, that makes sense. Which I think is neat. Like, that's... That, and it's kind of what happened with the last one, right? Like, yeah. the first part was a mystery and the second one was an adventure. Like, yeah, you sort of... You figure out where you have to go and then you go there and yeah. do the thing. Yeah, and it, like, gives gives him... It gives him space to uh, to do some stuff, like to do one book that like takes place in like Belgium around like Marnspike, um, mm-hmm. which is not an English place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, despite the uh, the comic, the like the newspaper article at the on the first page be like, ah, yeah. they've landed in Liverpool. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Liverpool in Belgium, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Whatever. But yeah, that. That like really explains just like how and why the mystery in this is so like intricate and sort of thorough. Yeah, yeah it works that he doesn't have to like he doesn't have to go to new places immediately. Like it's yeah, just you can just like the the same thing that we really liked on Secret of the Unicorn too is like mm. how much of it is you know takes place in the characters' own environments. It leaves them a lot of space to be the characters, right? Yeah, because like this is how we get this. Like, because what happens here is Tintin gets off the train at Marlin's bike station, goes over to see Haddock, and we get this new introduction of Haddock. And like, this entire book is sort of dedicated to rehashing like how Haddock has developed as a person or pretended to develop as a person since the last book. Yeah, um, that's another. That's another interesting thing I learned about Edgar Jacobs and Edge's friendship. By the way, mm-hmm. is that like the other contribution he had to this book is he like he was like a body model for a lot of characters, including Haddock. Like a lot of the movements, uh, oh. a lot of Haddock Haddock's movements are like based on Jacobs. Huh. I'm thinking about it. That seems like a very intimate friendship. <laughs> I know. Like I've just Edgar keeps having these, right? Yeah. Bro 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 just pose for a second, I wanna draw you. Yeah. Like that's like I know, it's just nice. I quite like that. I mean I I guess it's what artists do, but uh... I mean actually to be fair, I have done this for like several of my artist friends. Yeah. I am um, in several paintings around Scotland somewhere. Um don't ask me where. But yeah, like after we get our reintroduction to Haddock and Nestor, there's this like, just like it's not really plot relevant, but there's the most incredible like Nestor snowy sequence. Yeah, it's just you have to see it. You simply have to it's see it. It's just a fucking. Have you seen? Have you seen the Charlie Chaplin movie Modern Times? I have not. I've seen like half a Charlie Chaplin movie. It came out like around. I think it came out in 1940. So okay. I, I assume. Uh, uh, Erge might have inspired by this, but there's a 
there's a scene where Charlie Chaplin has to like has to be a server at uh at like a restaurant but he's on rollerblades for some le- reason uh mm-hmm. and there's just like this whole like incredible sequence where he has to like balance the uh balance this like tablet with uh, with all the all the drinks on it while also being on rollerblades like uh-huh. and that's like the movements are very similar on here like i wouldn't be surprised if Ergé was like Taking a hint from Mr. Chaplin. Yeah, yeah, because it, it, it is it is like peak physical comedy. Um, and Nestor is just like perfect for it because he's this like neat black silhouette. Yeah. Um, it's very yeah, good. yeah, and it's like it's funny because he's not the as we said last or the episode before he's the most butler looking man. So it's just like funny because it's not he's not a guy you'd expect to be like. <laughs> incredibly athletic or something well, but, 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 like... but as we discussed like last time all his stats like he's min maxed to be, be like the to perfect be butler. butler you yeah. know and like this is just like he has a triple proficiency bonus in drink tray carrying you know yeah um <laughs> yeah after he does this uh Haddock is like bravo bravo yeah like, yeah it. um <laughs> Like, it's a fucking stage show. And sort of, speaking of stage shows, the next few pages are, Haddock is, like, convinced that he can, like, learn how to turn water into whiskey (laughs) if he just, like, does the things the magicians on stage are doing. And, like, he's convinced that, like, this is going to work if he does, if he just, like, puts the cloth in the right way. Um, (laughs) This bit is so funny. He's so (laughs) stupid. I don't even know, like... He sees this because the thing is, he saw a stage magician do a thing where he puts like the cylinder over a uh, over a glass of water and then he turns it into whiskey. Mm-hmm. And he it doesn't it does he's like yeah I've studied him really closely I think I figured it out, but he doesn't really do anything. Yeah, yeah, he just I, I, like I just he thinks that magic is real. Yeah, basically. Which it might. Which yeah is uh, is a fair point. As we'll see later in the book. Um, but yeah, like I really love that. Like you know, he does the little trick, and then Tintin is like, he's like, "What do you think is in the drink, Tintin?" And Tintin's like, "Water." And then there's like five panels of him just laughing, and he's like, "Oh, oh, that's so funny that you think it's water." And Tintin's like, "It is water, though. It's <laughs> it's very good." Um, one thing I one thing I like about this sequence because there's. There's a there's a there's an ongoing bit in this comic uh, where uh, where Haddock is losing his monocles. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And like at, at at the beginning, he's like, "Has to bring me a new monocle," and then he has like this. Later, he has like this whole box that is full of monocles. Like before he does his trick, he's like, like he never like picks up the monocle he loses. Right? He, he yeah. Just, gets a new one which is like really funny to me and in this sequence while he's like laughing his ass off he still like keeps his monocle throughout the entire thing and only when he like takes a sip of the of the water that he he believed would turn into whiskey and spits it out that's where he loses his monocle yeah yeah which is a which is a very nice little touch one other thing that we didn't really mention about like the first sequence is that Apparently him and Calculus are roommates now. Yeah, because technically this is like Calculus is the one that bought the house. Like yeah. this is cal- this is technically Calculus's house. <laughs> like Haddock has not actually well, he's got the, the red the treasure from Red Raccoon, but like he didn't inherit the house or anything. It's yeah. just 
how, like calculus bought him it. I wonder if it was just a situation where uh, where calculus just showed up and they like didn't really know how to tell him. <laughs> yeah. Not to. Like he just moves his stuff in and they're like, oh god, there's no way to remove him. But it's also just a huge fucking mansion, so like... Yeah, I mean... Probably enough place. He probably likes, like, there's... It's it's kind of touching uh, towards the towards the end of the book where, like, w- where it shows that Heather does really care for Calculus at this point. Like, he, he hates yeah. him in the last book. <laughs> but now he, I guess, got used to him living there. I'm kind of wondering, like, how much time is supposed to have passed. I mean... Certainly, with the uh, like the Nazi drama and all the publication stuff, like a lot yeah. of time has passed between like the last book and this one, and it like kind of feels like it has been like a few years, like with sort of Haddock's new persona. Yeah, it's like I think it's I mean it's probably been like half a year to a year at least, but it's also mm. like not you know not enough time that like you know because because like when Tintin shows up at the beginning, it's still like. Uh, Oh, here's Haddock with his new lifestyle, right? Like, but it's not like he, like, I think if, if, if it had been like three to four years in like comic time, he wouldn't have like stuck with the uh, fancy Lord stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, at the end he does like throw it off cause he can't fucking yeah. stand it. Yeah. This seems to be in like the trial period of him trying to be fancy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so after he fails to turn uh, whiskey into water, or sorry, water into whiskey, he would never do that, why the fuck should I say that? Um, he's like, alright, Tintin, like, I'm taking you to see the show, and you're gonna see how this guy does it. So basically, him and Tintin go to see, like, a vaguely racist variety show. Yeah. Like, it's, uh, it's, it's all, like, all the acts are, like, exotic. I mean, I'm not gonna fault Ajay for this one, because I assume this was, like, all variety shows in Belgium in the 40s. Yeah, like, honestly, like, the vibe I get, like, the honest vibe I get from these variety shows are, like, people, like, people of colour, people from other non-European, like, countries being, like, hi, like, we're going to kind of, like, turn the volume up to, like, milk money out of this white audience. Yeah. You know? Um, so it's, they're really, no, they're quite performatively, like, mm, oriental. Um... But yeah, like there's this like uh, Indian lady who's like psychic and she's predicting stuff and she does like a whole thing where she sees an audience member and she's like, oh, your scientist husband who's recently returned from Peru and Bolivia is going to be cursed by the sun god. Ah, <laughs> um, A little too specific there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she like passes out and has to be sort of dragged off of stage but the next act that comes in is a little bit of a familiar face he's here he's here (laughs) he's back from our favourite book back from our favourite and not certainly not the book that's at the very bottom of our rankings because of how fucking racist it was against the (laughs) South American indigenous population is General Alcazar completely different character than he was last time also like literally it turns out that in order to become like a kind of slightly nicer human being you just kind of need to have your government overthrown and have to flee the country <laughs> and become a professional n- knife thrower he's uh, i kind of enjoy him in this one because he's really just vibing <laughs> he really is he's like well yeah i used to be used to be the like governor of this country where it was overthrown so now I'm throwing knives it's a living 
<laughs> it's a living. Yeah, because like um, the act after Alcazar or like whatever his stage name is, um, is uh, Bianca Castafiore, and um, I like because she starts singing a song, and she says like the line of like, "Come, mirror, mirror, reply to me, reply," and then like Snowy starts replying, like Snowy <laughs> joins in with the singing and starts barking in the theater, and they get kicked out. They just the audience just doesn't understand the real art. Like this I is know. this is what opera is supposed to be. Yeah, like the the audience didn't listen to uh, F- Fiona Apple's uh, new album uh, "Fetch the Bolt Cutters" the, uh-huh. and hear the dog singing in the song. They didn't know that that was good at the time. Yeah, they they said Shamika has no potential. I don't know. <laughs> or, or I guess another problem they haven't listened to the uh, Pink Floyd Seamus and they don't know that it's good. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so they like they have to run out of the auditorium and like they're just kind of wandering around backstage with like which like first of all like what the fuck who let them backstage like this is fucking illegal disgusting um th- I hate this disre- disrespect to theater but you know knowing the context of all this it makes a lot of sense um and they just kind of you know they just go visit their friend General Alcazar they walk past the clown that has the most fucked vibes. Like, I don't know what... He's reading the racing special. That's sus. He's reading the racing special. He's But this is like a, this is like a clown who, is, who in full clown makeup is smoking a pipe. Uh, and he has the most, like... W- w- what shape is this? Shape of what? He has, like, the head of a bowling pin. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I was thinking more that, like, his sort of... Um... Attitude is a bit fucked, and I'm actually kind of noticing, and I'm kind of wondering if Hergé did get taken backstage by his friend Edgar P. <laughs> Jacobs, and like because like the kind of vibes of like yeah. there's here's here are performers and they're like fucking hungover and they're waiting to go on stage and they kind of don't want to be here. Like the vibes are there of like backstageness. Yeah, I mean if if nothing else, he probably was backstage for like the Tintin. Uh, Oh yeah, stage production. Tell me, I already forgot about that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, it was moderate success. Mm, moderate success. Um, when Tintin, uh, Cigars of the Pharaohs, did stage adaptation live action movie, when God. <laughs> so uh, yeah, like they go and talk to uh, Alcazar. There's like there's like a kind of little confrontation with like Alcazar and his sort of assistant because Tintin comes in and he's like General Alcazar and like. Alcazar and his assistant are like, um, uh, are these people supposed to know who the fuck we are? And then, like, mm-hmm. you know, they recognize Tintin. Alcazar is like, oh no, this this guy's like a comrade, like it's fine. Um, and then they sort yeah. of no es la policia, <laughs> no es la policia. They do their catch up, and that's pretty much it. Alcazar has developed a like broken English that he didn't have before. Yeah. I I this might I'm not sure how much of this is the translators, how much of this mm. was uh that Aje put in more like but but he he speaks Spanish like the he speaks English like the way like Poirot speaks English, right? Like just just like just like peppers in like words from his mother tongue liberally. Yeah. Liberally. Yeah. So, so he's like to por- he says like por favor or amigo mio. Which is like, yeah, yeah. you know, less rough to read than that other guy who had like an inexplicable accent. So, yeah. yeah, like it's it's not a phonetic accent. It's just like, yeah, the order of words are of a uh, 
English second language speaker, blah blah blah. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a coffee shop here like close by where I used to be quite often during my university time. Um and uh, the main like barista is Italian and he always says like grazie uh, prego <laughs> shit like that and I always wonder if like how much because because like for a for a coffee shop right like if you're Italian mm. that's like a, that's like a big plus that's authentic you know I didn't know you lived in Morio <laughs> I always wonder if if they're like doing this to make it seem like a more authentic experience because I wouldn't I would never say like danke while talking in English right like <laughs> <laughs> what if you did though <laughs> Um, I'm not starting every episode with Guten Tag. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. So um, they like leave on their way out of the theater. Uh, Tintin and Haddock somehow managed to like completely wreck their performance through a series of hijinks <laughs> uh, involving like a bull's head. Um, it's just like a funny kind of slapstick sequence. Um, Pretty good. I doesn't like really the... doing anything, but you know, I I I like the vibe uh, with which or, or or the detail with which as it draws this backstage uh, area. Oh uh, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, you know, if you've worked at a theater, you will recognize stuff. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and this ends in right, like this ends in them interrupting the exact whiskey performance they came to. Oh my god, I kn- I like did not notice that it was the same whiskey performance. <laughs> it is. Oh. It's the guy saying, oh, "What have we in, in this glass, ladies and gentlemen? Water? No, this glass contains whiskey." Uh, and at this point, I wonder whether the whole trick is just that the audience member is a plant, uh, and he says, "Oh yes, this is whiskey." Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll never know because Haddock ruined it all. Yep. Um, but yeah, like getting back to the plot, a few days later, like Tintin is reading in the newspaper that like. Ah, oh, the scientists that came back from their expedition are being taken by a mysterious illness and, like, you know, remembers the thing that the guy in the train said and then, like, gets a call from Thompson and Thompson that they're like, Tintin, we need your help with the mysterious illness of the scientists. And, like, basically, the the deal is that the scientists are being found like, completely asleep with this weird, mysterious glass orb smashed beside them. Wonder what's up with that. Um, spoiler alert: We do not find out in this book. Um, <laughs> it just kind of keeps happening, and we don't know why yet. I wonder if um, there's going to be more than one crystal ball in this book. Like two or three, or yeah, that sounds like that sounds like a reasonable number of crystal yeah. balls to include in a comic. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Let's not get too wild with it, right? <laughs> like if it's like four, okay, but that's like the the up, the upper limit. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um. Yeah, like you, you never put. <laughs> don't have budget for anymore. I uh, sorry, Yanish. I'm th- trying to think of like a kind of play on the Sufjan Stephen album Seven Swans, but I don't know anything about <laughs> Sufjan Stephen. Seven bars. Seven bars. <laughs> seven bars. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> I knew there was something there. Um, but yeah, they're basically like the scientists keep getting ball unconscious and like. Tintin is like, oh, we gotta go and like save them. So they sort of start on like a, a a mission to go and warn all the scientists. But like every time they find one of the scientists, like either he's already been ball knocked out or he's just about to be. Um, mm-hmm. 
like there's a, there's a whole bit with uh, Mr. Falconer and he's like, oh, I'll come to you immediately. But like they open the car that he arrives in and like he's asleep and there's a ball smashed. One of the um, affected professors is called Professor Bathtub. So they're like their names are so there's like Cantono, Falconer, Sanders Hardyman, Simmons. Clarkson read back. <laughs> Professor Beta. This doesn't seem like a like a like a thread or anything. They're it's just kind of funny names. Yeah. I was kind of wondering if they were all called like they're all like variations on it one thing, but that you know, it's just No, probably not. Kind of disappointed. Um but yeah, like eventually there's only like two scientists and there's a whole bit of there's a bit where like they find the scientist whose name is uh this one is dr midge yes midge yeah um and there's a bit where like they're at dr midge's office and like he gets a package which turns out to be a suspicious butterfly um but by time they find out that it's too late and he's been knocked unconscious by the orb but there is like a wonderful panel that you linked me yeah. of just like <laughs> one of the thompson twins in the corner i'm trying to find it here yeah it's on page 22 it's it's just like the silent image yeah uh, i i think azure is the best at the dialogue less panels often um, i think for for comics which quite often have are like half dialogue yeah the best panels are the ones with no dialogue <laughs> most of the time it's just this this, this perfect composition of like this professor getting because like it's both thompsons are watching over this guy so one of them is watching the door and the other is watching the window <laughs> so it's like <laughs> this uh, this this image of the professor sitting at his desk with all his like fossils uh, in the background, you know, very clear like a professor type, and the postman delivers the letter, and then one of the Thompsons is like standing at the door, and the other is just like his head peeking in from the window, and both are looking like with the stern expression, like they're they're really taking their job seriously, but it also just like kind of looks like the Sickles comic. <laughs> yeah. I just I'd like to think about Thompson Sickos. Yeah. Um but yeah, so one final scientist, Professor Tarragon remains. Um there's sort of like a sequence of like Tintin and Hatlick sort of going about their daily business. Um and then sort of at Marlin Spike it turns out that Professor Calculus is actually like old friends with this Professor Tarragon. So they kind of use that to go and visit this guy. Very cute image where uh, where the professor just picks up calculus. Yeah, it's so good. Like, so he's just his personality. He's very much like an extremely like forceful character. Yeah. Like, honestly, he he kind of he does the thing that I did whenever I met you, which yeah. is I I immediately picked you up. Um, still feel a bit guilty about that. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> really should have asked first. I'm sorry. Look, you gave me shoes that made me big, so. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like whenever he's like shaking people's hands, they're all like, "Ow, ow, ow, ow!" Like he's his grip he's is so fucking, strong. You know who he is? Uh huh. Uh, what the fuck is the name of that actor? Brian Blessed. Oh my fucking god! <laughs> <laughs> fucking confirmed. Oh my god. He has like this big roaring laugh. 
Uh, he has this big bushy beard. He also just fucking has the like corpse of the Incan king <laughs> they untombed, just like sitting in his house. Um, fucking fuck this guy, honestly. Um, the worst vibes to have this in your house, honestly. Like, <laughs> colonialism aside, it's just like this guy sitting with his knees up, like sitting like fucking. Is that L from Death Note? <laughs> But yeah, you like he. This is a, this is a fucking corpse. Yeah. What the fuck? Why are you displaying it in your house, it's, bro? It's a corpse that just looks at you like the you don't. If if you saw me, I'm doing the same expression uh, with my hands up to my like he has his his two fists up to his face, right? And it's like this expectant expression. Like it's just you know everyone has the same nightmare uh, later on of this guy coming to life. Um, and it might be because of magic, but also just like if you have this at the place where you're sleeping, you'll probably get this nightmare. Yeah. Although I do kind of love the vibes of when the corpse is creeping around the place like a mischievous little guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's very funny. Which primarily is because A, this corpse is completely justified in tormenting these people because what the fuck are they doing? Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> I wish these scientists the worst. Um, the one image later where he throws the crystal ball is so funny. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly what it sounds like. Um, but yeah, so they like hang around at this guy's house uh, for a bit, but then like the weather starts going absolutely like fucky. Like it gets really hot, and the tires in their car burst, and then it starts raining loads, and like they can't get home, and they've got to stay at Professor Tarragon's house overnight. Um, I'm sure there's nothing supernatural involved here, and it's no. completely normal. It's always a good idea to... I mean, this is a fucking Scooby-Doo-ass house. Yeah, completely. <laughs> 100%. The, the the fucking... Inca zombie is also a Scooby-Doo villain. Like, with with the exact <sighs> same cultural sensibilities. <laughs> God, yeah. Um, I mean, like, I do have to say, like, this whole sequence at this guy's house, like... You know, extremely suspect, like colonial uh, ideology aside, it's a really good sequence. Yeah, of just like mystery and things happening and Scooby Doo shit going on. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely like once again we have like a page and a half with like basically no dialogue. It's just, it's just the spooky stuff happening. It's uh, it's very atmospheric. Yeah, because yeah, they're like they're sitting sort of at night, like talking about the mysterious balls, and uh, this Professor Tarragon like tells them about a prophecy that's been written on the walls. That's like <laughs> when you're burying your like Inca king and you write it on your wall. One day, seven strangers with pale faces will arrive and desecrate this fucking tomb, and that will make hmm. them super fucking cursed. It's like quite on the nose. Yeah. Um, but at this point, something a little bit strange happens. Uh huh. Um, listeners, uh, Janusz, I don't know if any of you have seen the uh, well known media property known as Naruto. <laughs> uh huh. I have not. Well, there's just a little Rasengan for, for anyone who knows what that is, flies through the chimney and torments them for a little bit. Um, well, I know what it is now. Oh, so we've solved the seven mystery of the crystal balls. They were all Rasengans. <laughs> we figured it out, gamers. This is a, 
I like that it starts with that because this is this is continuity once again with the previous uh, Tintin book where we had lightning teleportation, right? And oh god, yeah, it was like, the same book that had the lightning teleportation that yeah. had the racist shit in it. Yeah, damn, you're right. Yeah, because because it is it is lightning and then like a yellow orb flies around the room and like f- first of all goes for Professor Tarragon and fucks him up a bit. Um, chases Snowy into a fireplace, which very terrible things and then uh does the cover of the book yep where professor 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 calculus just gets like lifted around the place yep his Um, uh head flies off his head which is even more terrifying (laughs) and yeah finally bringing it back to lightning teleportation the uh mummy kind of goes out with a bang it's just it's gone now i like just professor calculus's like bewildered expression that all of this happening yeah he's just vibing really yeah listen sometimes you get antagonized by like a little resentment i feel like i feel like as a scientist you know you should be open to like new experiences that will challenge your uh, rational worldview although professor calculus worldview is not really rational D- yeah doesn't like... th- this man is addicted to dozing yeah <laughs> It's like, remember when Pokemon Go came out? Uh-huh. And, and there were like, everyone was like warning about how, you know, don't Pokemon Go while crossing the street. Don't let your Pokemon Go lead you into like dark alleyways where someone might kidnap you. That's <laughs> like, <laughs> him with his dowsing here. like Everything. He's just, he's looking for Pokemon creatures yeah. with his, his uh, dowsing rod. Um, yeah, he's like, there's a, there's a Snorlax further to the west. <laughs> yeah, people say Pokemon Go, like you know, couldn't have been invented until the sort of hyper surveillance, like Google dominated state that's mapped the entire world. But like, mm-hmm. you know, Professor Calculus was out here doing it in the 1940s. Like, I think they just didn't try hard enough. Yeah, I mean, it's the question of this is like from a from like a media studies standpoint. It's like. <laughs> It's like the question of like, you know, is it is it the technology that makes it, right? Like is the technology of like, you know, Google, the Googler stuff, uh, the, the like satellite stuff, the technology that allows us to do augmented reality? Or is it like some sort of a like, you know, is, is, is less the technology interesting and more like the human inclination to follow something or to go mm-hmm. to look at something and follow? And that was like already there, like with, mm-hmm. with dowsing, like. There's and there's like there's like debates around like all sorts of media innovations in this in this area, right? Like with the with the invention of cinema, there's like two there's like two schools of thought where like one of them says uh, you know the thing that made it possible were like these little toys where you already did things, you know you know those like thumb books where you 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 like mm, flip mm. through it and there's a movement then then the horse is like moving or something mm-hmm. you know like is it is it those toys those little toys that made um made cinema possible or is it like the big panoramas where people went to look at a big screen even though it wasn't moving right yeah <laughs> so is it like the technology or is it the is it the human urge to look at a big screen <laughs> the, the masculine urge to follow a little crystal <laughs> yep so it's a professorial urge to follow a little crystal. <laughs> if you think about it, um, a cr- an orb, like, 
And like the breaking of an orb. Um, I mean, it's kind of like in whenever you're in doing a Pokemon and you throw an orb and you say, go Pikachu. And then Pikachu elects or no, no, fucking a, a Jigglypuff puff. Jigglypuff? Jigglypuff casts sleep on the professors. I think we've cracked huh. this one. I think it's it's Pokemons all along. Yeah. We'll find out. Yeah, I've been playing... Uh, I've been known to play the beautiful game known as Super Smash Brothers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I hate to... I, I, I just hate to play against the Jigglypuff because it's so hard to avoid the falling asleep part. Mm, 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 mm. It is very funny, though, to do it yourself. Um, yeah, so, uh, the mummy, uh, which is, the mummy is called, uh, Raskar Kapak, which, Raskar Kapak? Yes, it is. Uh, yes. this will come up later, don't worry about it, uh, too much. Um, but, like, he's disappeared, and then Professor Tarragon is sitting there like, oh my god, what the fuck, I'm gonna die, did you know that the rest of the prophecy says that, like, Raskar Kapak is gonna come and, like, personally enact a fiery vengeance upon me? Um. All these years I've had this cursed looking thing in my living room I never expected this to happen <laughs> oh, I never expected that the extremely suspicious thing that I did several years ago regarding the publication of my <laughs> comics would one day come back to haunt me for the rest of my life ha 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 me sowing, me reaping yeah <laughs> Herge sowing, Herge <laughs> reaping uh <laughs> I mean, good luck try, trying to explain this with a, with a rational explanation, like the, the light orb, like going through the room and then hitting the mummy and then the mummy disappearing. Yeah. There is one panel that just says bang. So that's like, you know, the visual clue for, uh, you don't see what's happening here, but mm. still it's like, it's like a mummy in a glass cage and also a, a thing that made, um, made Professor Calculus's armchair like fly up. Uh, onto the table, so yeah, like this is distinctly uh, this is you know some kind of genjutsu, um, possibly ninjutsu. Who's to say? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's fucking magic, gamers. It's magic, but yeah, like so. Tintin sort of assuages uh, Professor Tarragon some of his fears. He's like, "Come on, like we'll get you a, a bed with like no windows. You'll be safe." Blah 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 blah. Um. And everyone goes to bed. This is when we have the wonderful little dream about the funky little mummy uh, climbing in the window and throwing a big orb around. Um, yep. And it actually got me again because because uh, it starts with just Tintin lying in bed, and then this guy, uh, this this mummy climbing into the window, and then on the next page he wakes up and was what like that. Damn. He's doing one of his famous dream sequences again. Tricked again. And yeah, so like everyone basically has been woken up by this exact same dream and they're all like No, that's spooky. Yeah, very spooky. They're all like, Oh, we gotta you know, it's just like in Wheel of Time. Um, they gotta go and like <laughs> find Professor Tarragon. They're like, Oh no, oh no, and they go find him. But like he's fine, he's just asleep. He's just asleep. Wait a second. There's no crystal shards on the ground. Oh wait. Nani dun 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 So yep, they they he got got by Jigglypuff. And like, all right. Oh yeah, I've got notes. Um, he he he's like asleep now, but sort of, and yeah, like, and they go and like search around the place. Like they see a mysterious figure running away. They see like the jewels are missing. There's like a bunch of stuff that sort of ah, this could be clues. I wonder will we find out what these are? Not in this book. Um, and the sort of next thing 
that happens is that, like, actually, Professor Tyragon isn't asleep forever. Like, he suddenly wakes up and starts, like, yelling about being tormented and stuff like that. Um, so, very mysterious. This is developing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next thing that happens is that Calculus, he's doing investigating, following his little orb, aka Pendulum, aka Pokemon Go app on his <laughs> I- phone 10. And yeah, he's like looking around the garden. He finds a nice little bracelet, which is exactly the same kind of bracelet as the mummy was wearing. And like, there's just a panel where he like puts it on and he's like admiring. He's like, oh, such a splendid bracelet. It really goes well with my coat. This is the last panel that Calculus is seen in in this entire book. Oh, shit. It's it's fucking kidnapping time. It does. It does go well with his coat, though. It really does. Like, it's a nice little color scheme. And I just, I'm just like, Professor Calculus's like character design, he's just like a little triangle. Yeah. It's, he's just so sweet. Yeah, he's much better in this book than he was in the last one, because the the joke of him not hearing or misunderstanding only shows up like twice. Yeah, yeah, like he does it, but it's not like the only thing. It's not obnoxious. It's toned down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's more. I think his character becomes more, uh, which is which is a lot more fun. Uh, more just like someone who is like so uh, in his own world, right? Like yeah. that's that's his main characteristic in this book and probably going forward. Um, like, which is just a lot more fun to observe. Because it's like it's not like because last book he was like he wasn't listening to people because he was determined to impose his own plans onto other people. Yeah. Whereas in this one, he's not listening to people just because he's just very distracted. Like, he's paying attention to his pendulum. He's, like, figuring out these... He's, like, the sort of picture of the, like, distracted artiste genius yeah. guy. It's funny that his uh, his pendulum does, like... W- w- this was established in the last one, I guess. But it does lead to results. <laughs> yeah, it works. <laughs> it's just that everyone else is, like... Because he's so... He's so in his own world that everyone else is, like, not taking him seriously. Like, in the next panel, Tintin is like, oh, I bet Calculus is just, like, playing around with his Pokemon Go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's looking for his Pokemon creatures. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, again, like, they, they can't find him. And then there is, like, that genuine concern from, from Haddock and Tintin that is really good to see. Yeah, because like they they go looking for him. They find this like like a bloody handprint on a tree and like some flattened grass, and they're like, "Oh, this th- he might have been kidnapped." And then they sort of they get into a gunfight with this person we don't see, and they sort of there's a car like driving away at top speed, which they they chase after. I actually just noticed in this scene like how Haddock is wearing like a like a plaid jacket or something. Yeah. But, it, like, it's doing that comics thing that I really love when they do, when it's just, like, they have the shape of the jacket and then they've superimposed a completely even, yeah. like, grid pattern on top of it. Like, fucking, like, like Tanjiro Demon Slayer has this and, like, stuff like that, and I really love it. It's, it's, gotta, it's gotta have been, like, a thing that, like, comics artists at one point were like, look, yeah, it's so fucking annoying to draw this realistically. Like, yeah. it's gonna take me five ten hours longer to draw a single page if i make the uh if i make the stripes on the jacket like look naturalistic 
Yeah. We can all agree that we understand how jackets work, you know. Let's yeah. just, just suspend our disbeliefs on the jacket patterning. It's gonna save me so much time. Yeah. You'd love to see it. Yeah. I love to see it. <laughs> I like I like that on the I like the detail though that all the all, all throughout this scene because because it's a shootout, and all throughout this scene, when Tintin does not have a, the gun in his hand, you can see it sticking out of his pocket. Can you? Yeah, look on, on page 42, at the at the bottom of the page. There's just, just a gun uh, like, sticking out of see, it. And I also, I really, like, secondarily, I like that, um, it's like, that is Haddock's gun, who's, like, just given it to Tintin earlier. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Bless. Um... But yeah, so they like, there's a car driving away and they chase it but lose it. Um, there's eventually like a bit like the car that left was black, but then they got changed into like a fawn colored car. Um, and this is just a, a bunch. A color I was totally familiar with. Yeah, like it's a mustard car, yellow car. Yeah. I don't know why. Okay, cool. I like this like magenta colored car that is like driving past. Yeah, that's a cool car. Why didn't they change to that car? Come on. Yeah. Much more memorable. Look, I, I'm not saying I wish we were back in the 1940s for any <laughs> reason, but the, ah, born in the wrong era. <laughs> the, the car color game was like really at its peak. <laughs> Me living in Germany, God, I wish. <laughs> Rip. Um. So yeah, they like they lose sort of the cars, and they kind of don't know what to do for a wee while. Um, eventually, like, Tintin gets a call from the Thompson twins here, like, hey, uh, you need to check this weird thing out. And there's this, like, really quite sort of arresting, like, standout sequence where, like, Tintin goes to the hospital where, like, all the orb, the jigglypuffed scientists have been sort of gathered together. And, like, there's this one panel showing that, like, every day at, like, exactly the same time, they all, like, go into this weird like yelling fit like together and it's like very like visually sort of um like damn they're they're wiggling huh yeah and it's like toward the end of the book already and we still have no idea what the solution to this is like or where this comes from it's it's quite it's quite striking it's quite spooky yeah Um, yeah I think if I had to take a guess as to when sort of publication of this like stopped and started again, it might be around this point in the book because like things really sort of change. Like they, they I don't basically think so though. I don't because because like... like from the time frame, there was like way less time before it stopped for like two years than than afterwards. Like it, it started in forty three stopped mm. in 44 uh, and then he picked it up again in 46 and finished in 48 so i mm. think it should be like roughly around one third of the book Mm-mm. but i like there's just there is something about the like pacing and vibe that as soon as like cal- calculus gets kidnapped and they sort of like keep like mm-hmm. losing leads and finding them again and be like okay we don't know what to do now like it's just the pacing very much changes whereas before it's all been like go 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 we've got to like get these orbs we've got to save the scientist and then like once calculus is gone they're like fuck what do we do (laughs) yeah i don't know we can only guess i don't think it was like just just from the timeline it doesn't really work out Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but (laughs) so this time whenever they sort of don't know what to do we like cut to 
Haddock, like in his big house, in big Marlin's bike, in his rich person dressing gown. He's like sitting in a very ornate chair, and like he looks so no talk me, I Angie. Um, like he's sort of sulking and pouting, and like Tintin comes in to talk to him, and you know they have a wee conversation until all of a sudden he gets a phone call and he's like fuck this shit and exits the scene, re-enters the scene on the next page, back into his regular sailor outfit and is like, alright Tintin, let's fucking go. This is so pog. It's, I, I have no idea what he's on about, but I, I, I am pogging yeah. yet still. This is like, were you ever into the television program Doctor Who? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> but there was like, oh, is that bit when the Doctor changed into a new Doctor, where it's like, for the first, like, two-thirds to like three quarters of the first episode of the new doctor he's gonna be like, completely out of it yeah and and then towards the end like there's there's always a moment where he gets into his new costume and is like he has a big i am the doctor monologue and you yeah. clap and yeah. cheer and this is like that for haddock except he like because like, he's been like you know the this like trying to be a fancy person Haddock, and you know, it's not like he wasn't the real Haddock, like he was still swearing and shit. Yeah. Uh, but but it's still like he's 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 trying to be something that he isn't, and then here when he he he's like complete, his his like facial expression completely changes. He has his little pipe. He has this like sack over his shoulder. Yeah, because like having said that, and I I did notice this that when I was started reading it, like when we first meet him in the book in his like new fancy person outfit like his way of speaking is very very like he's trying to be fancy he says yeah. like it's delighted to see you my dear chap and like he went instead of asking like when he's asking Tintin like how he is he says what fair wind brings you here yeah when he does his when he does his little whiskey trick and he's like first another monocle yeah yeah and then it's like, again, throughout the whiskey trick, it's only at the end of the whiskey trick whenever he takes a sip of water and, like, you know, spits it out. That's when he says billions of blue blistering barnacles in a thundering typhoon. Yeah. It is water. Like, that's when it's like, okay, yeah. Like, he's back to his original speaking pattern. Yeah, but it's a good point. He, like, goes in and out from trying to be something that he isn't to, like, his true self coming through. And it's all it's always, like, dependent on, like, how, like angie he is yeah it's pretty it's good character writing like for a for a comic series that usually has like very two-dimensional characters i guess like very like you know everyone has like one character trait but it's again like um when when, whenever a character gets to be in like more than one book possibly with the exception of tintin because honestly if you ask me like what tintin's character traits were i probably couldn't answer (laughs) you but like Whenever one of like Hershey's like bit characters gets to be in like more than one book, like then like we could really kind of get into it. Yeah. Um, like you know, as we even see with like even like Alcazar in this and like Nestor, like oh yeah, this is sort of their like second ish books and like they're people, they're people now. Congratulations. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, so. We get the Poggers, like, sort of climactic moment of the book of Haddock getting changed back into his original outfit. Um, 
there's like a few pages of just like bits which i really <laughs> like they're just great bits they're great bits uh snowy getting the this like uh knight's armor helmet thing mm-hmm. very funny mm-hmm. um yeah and there's like a bit where haddock is like all right bill before we go i'm just gonna have one last drink and then mm-hmm. he's drinking in front of a picture of uh calculus and the picture starts talking to him and he's like oh my god <laughs> i'm not drinking anymore um that like unlike throws the bottle of whiskey out the window into a mm-hmm. bucket of water which then snowy drinks and snowy becomes drunk it's like you know it's classic stuff classic tinted stuff it's not like actually a portrait of calculus right because like in the final in the final panel it's like a different portrait so i i assume he just I, imagines that it's his portrait right yeah i thought that maybe he was just like walking past a variety of different portraits but like this definitely is the same picture frame and it's a completely different guy yeah yeah i'm wondering actually if like this part where the portrait of calculus talks to him i'm like is this real magic again (laughs) (laughs) i mean honestly like if something like this comes up like next book as being like a magic Uh thing that happens i'm like okay i'm ready i'm ready to go for it yeah uh um haddock enters like a trance state uh mm. through the through the power of whiskey (laughs) yeah yeah um but basically like after these like hijinks i had a contentin sort of drive off and like haddock tells us that like he got a phone call about like this that fawn colored car getting spotted driving towards the docks and they're like okay let's go investigate um Mm -hmm. there's there's some there's another great bit uh which you posted a a panel of of them just like driving to (laughs) the docks um What's funny about it is that the same thing happens to Haddock that happened to Snowy like a few books ago. Oh my fucking god, you're right. Where he's like, because yeah, like again, in this book, like the weather is completely fucky on and off again, um, and they get completely soaked, and then it dries off, and then Haddock dries himself off, and then he gets soaked again by another car. Good shit. Yeah. Yeah, and the great panel is uh, where he's like really angry that that his get his being soaked by by this rain, and then he says, "Everything happens to me." Everything happens so much, Haddock. Yeah, so true, Bestie. So yeah, they get to the docks and they sort of start investigating, but they're not really getting anywhere until call back to earlier in the book because they spot their old buddy General Alcazar getting on a boat. And basically, he's he has to go home because his fucking assistant just like quit and disappeared, and he's got no more stage act. Um, at which he point, he's Tintin... very unfazed about it, though. I mean, he seems kind of angry. Yeah, I mean, he's a uh, he gets agitated once he starts talking about it, but like right before, he's like, oh, just, just guess I'm just gonna go on this boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It uh, it is very much different to the 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 general alcazar who used to shoot funny blanks as a prank yeah. you know um so everything's relative yeah um but yeah tintin his sort of like racism node in his mind activates and he's like so was uh your assistant chiquito like like a, i think he says like was he a real indian yeah um Come on. and then alcazar is like oh yeah like he was like like Quechua as they come and that his real name is Rupak Inca Huaco um, mm. and he's one of the last descendants of Los Incas Rupak's um, 
Drag Race. I don't know. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. <laughs> when you don't really have a joke, you just have an association. You know? Yeah. You just vaguely have something that sounds like something else, which is like the main thing that podcasting is about. It really is just saying words and then saying it's, more words. It really is. It's just you wake up at the same time every day and you go on like a, a, a deranged kind of rant for several minutes and then you go back to sleep again. That's <laughs> what I'm doing after this. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so like we find out about this guy, Rupak, and that he's disappeared, but we don't really find out anything about him. Um, so they kind of just like wander around the docks again for a bit. Um Haddock gets like funny pranked by some like kids who like hide mm-hmm. a brick under a hat. Who I'm pretty sure are from Asia's other comic. Oh, because we did see some kids like that yeah. before, right? Yeah, because they're At too the distinct looking to just be like random street kids, I think. And like, I think, I think, I think their design just like really sticks out as something that wouldn't be like just. Yeah, because like, yeah, I don't know, like, like just sad characters. I sort of assumed that that was because. They were like plot relevant street urchin children, but like, yeah, I'm kind of looking at them. They sort of look like their own comic characters. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like he had it kicks a hat, and the hat turns out to have a brick underneath it. <laughs> Tintin says, It's the classic joke a stone hidden under an old hat. <laughs> classic joke. Classic. Um, but then the hat, like they walk on and like Snowy picks up the hat and like brings it along and Tintin is like, what the fuck are you doing Snowy and throws it away again. But Snowy brings it back and he keeps bringing it back until fucking finally Tintin thinks to look inside the hat and oh, that's Cuthbert Calculus's initials on it. This is his fucking hat, my guy. You gotta listen to your dog. Really gotta, like, I feel like in earlier books, Tintin would have been much more ready to listen to what Snowy had to say. All he's doing all these he's days his... is scolding Snowy for chasing a cat. Yeah, and drinking whiskey and shit. Yeah. Like, but yeah, so they, they're like, oh no, we got to go find the, the prank kids and ask them about it. And like, you yeah. know, they go and... Who are very much the characters Quick and Flapky. I just looked them up. Okay. Uh, yeah, they have the same color scheme too. It it looks like they're like more, because I think at this point he already finished uh, writing that comic. Mm-hmm. Um, and they look a little bit older in this one, but they're wearing the same clothes and have the same hair color. So I think the implication is is that it's like them as like after the comic ended. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, speaking of comics ending, we are pretty much at the end of this one yep. because like the two kids like tell Tintin about like a ship called the Black Cat and stuff, and Tintin goes and like does a little bit more research, and then we sort of uncover that the professor has been taken to Peru on the ship uh, Pacha, no, Pachacamac? Pachacamac? That sounds right. Yeah, Pachacamac, I think. I don't I don't know what the ch, or if it's a ch. Or no, a the ch. ch is a, is a ch in Spanish. Okay, Pachacamac. And yeah. Because the j would be the ch. Oh, yeah. So yeah, uh, it's time to get on a plane to Peru. Yeah, this time they don't see... Uh, they don't look into the camera and say, uh, let's see if we will encounter any prisoners of the sun. Yeah, yeah like it's just like a, a regular advertisement for the next book yeah. at the end of this book. Um, I like that. There's, like, there's one final monocle bit. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> Nestor is so precious. I love Nestor. 
Um, but he's, yeah, like it's it's yeah. the go. No, he's just it's just like right after the plane leaves, Nestor, Nestor is like really worried about Haddock. Like he runs out to it, and he's he's so upset because they already took off, and Haddock hasn't packed a single monocle. He says, "Oh dear, what a calamity! What a terrible calamity! The poor master, my poor master." <laughs> he loves the monocle so much. <sighs> this is like when. It's like the classic comedy bit of when when guy gets married and then his wife uh, keeps, I don't know, feeding him. Oh my god, yeah. Like spinach or saying that he loves chamomile tea or whatever. And, um, yeah, but, yeah, but he gotta have his monocles. It's that, but with monocles, which is which is a lot funnier. Yeah, I like about this book specific, specifically about the way. Compared to compared to the last two books, uh, in the last in the last two parts, right? Like the mystery of the first book, like basically got like mostly resolved. At mm-hmm. least there wasn't like any. It turned out right, like that there was this, there was and there was another twist that it's uh, it's actually at um, at the mansion. But 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 still, like the first book, pretty much like closed down that story. Like yeah, because it's like. In the secret of the unicorn, there's a whole mystery, and like, yeah, we find we like we find out what the secret of the unicorn is, but it's just yes. that like the secret it turns out to be a thing that unlocks another mystery, like, yeah, but like everything that was seeded in that book was like kind of resolved. Yeah, they're very much two distinct books. Yeah, uh, and in this one, I I think it's I think it's much more interesting to have the mystery not resolved at the end like to be yeah. like well, it's probably that way we have to go but we still don't know what the crystal balls did like it's, yeah we uh, don't know what the crystal balls did we don't yeah. know about this um repack guy yeah we don't know um, about the oh my god there's a there's an image on wikipedia of what the actual mummy looked like oh fuck yeah show me uh, i'm gonna post it here uh, you have to click through just. I will. I will. Ah! <laughs> that gave me a bit of a scare. <laughs> oh, he is doing the L death note pose, though, huh? Yep. His his feet are like very prominently intact. This bit sauce. His his face is less like he's less like a he he has less of a grinning mummy face than he has in the book. He's more of a skull situation going on yeah like in the book he's doing the smirk emoji yeah whereas this guy is just kind of fucked yep but he is sitting like that so that's yeah that must have been like the main inspiration they took from this (laughs) um yeah but like we don't know what's the deal what the deal with this mummy thing is we don't know how the crystal balls work we don't know why they have these crying f- or this these uh, shouting fits while they wake up from yeah. their sleep. So yeah, yeah, we don't know if magic is real. Yeah, yeah. I I like I kind of don't know how to rate this one because it is so like yeah. incomplete. But it's like its incompleteness is the thing that makes it interesting to me. Yeah, like you know, I am. Ta- I'm thinking. I would maybe give it five out of five. Like, I, think so, I know it yeah. has like some quite distasteful, like racist overtones, but like, 
I mean, it's nothing out of the usual for the time. Like, yeah, is, you know, it was different times as always a weak excuse, but in this case, you know, it's like it like at least tries to uh, to be like, have you considered that stealing a uh, stealing mummies from a different place might be bad? You know? Yeah, and it's like in my read of this today in reading it in 2021 like not really without even considering the sort of historical context and like more racist context in which this would have been written like it still very much reads as the curse that these scientists have been put under like they deserve to be put under that yeah like it's like it doesn't feel like Tintin is like, oh, we've got to save the the white people from the horrible curse of the brown no. people. It's like, these guys fucked with something they shouldn't have, and they're dealing with the consequences. Yeah, I mean, it's... Tintin is like, you know, Tintin and Tedrick, they're like, they're just attracted to this mystery, mainly. I think it's mainly, you know, them trying to find out what's going on, because it's, like, so bizarre. Yeah. Um, but it's not like, yeah, it's not like, you know, these these the ancient or the evil Inca spirits or something are like yeah. punishing our good scientists is not that and then at the end once they once they do you know want to get like the the moment it does get personal is uh calculus being kidnapped yeah you know, who yeah is their friend. yeah like that's which is which is also like a good calculus being kidnapped is also something that i think is gonna happen again <laughs> in a different <laughs> comic yeah, yeah. Yeah, because first we had um, Haddock to fulfill the damsel in distress role, yeah. and now we've got Calculus. Yeah. Um, God, did, did we like? Did we have Snowy in that role like before? I think we did. Yeah. Yeah, when he, he was kidnapped a few times in Cigars of the Pharaoh and Blue Lotus and The Broken Ear 2, I think. Like, that was the first The first comics were like, very much propelled forward by uh, Snowy being in danger. Mm-mm-mm. Um, but yeah, like, I am very much, I kind of want to reserve judgment on, like, how, um, like, colonially I mean, we can, icky this is until yeah. we find out more in the next book. We can rank them together, I guess, like, as a mm. two-parter. I kind of want to, I kind of want to put this one above Blue Lotus, but yeah. with, like, a question mark beside it. Yeah, but I, I think it does stand, like, pretty well on its own, like, even if the resolution will like i don't know how what the resolution is gonna be like i don't think it's gonna be like awful Mm -hmm. um i think there might there's gonna be like a couple of problematic bits um but like even if you know even if that one resolves in a bad way i think like on its own this one is really really strong like Mm -hmm. the the atmosphere in the in the scooby-doo house is just so good yeah, uh, the, like way, the bit with the Rasengan is so good. Yeah, the backstage just, bit is so good. Just the way the like mystery like propels forward the plot is 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 just is just so well done. Like especially for something that was released like page by page or two pages by two pages, right? Like for 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 something that was serialized, this is remarkably readable. And with a big delay in the middle. Yeah, there's there's a slight decline towards the end, but um. Mm. I'm wondering what? actually if like if that thing sort of happened where like you have a thing you're working on and then you yeah. get interrupted from working on it because of uh, for normal uh, not suspicious and yeah. highly problematic reasons but then like you have because you have had so much time to like not do it and just like f- kind of think about it that like when you actually get back to it you're like alright let's fucking go 
Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I think like the, you know the weakest part where there there's like is is still just like standard tinted stuff like when they do a car chase stuff you know like that's yeah like when when I turn a page and I just see like seventeen panels of like different angles of a car and like yeah. my kind of my eyes sort of glaze over a little bit. Um, yeah, it's just it's just a staple. I feel like if you're like coming up with a story and have to wrap it up somehow, Erge just like always. Uh, puts a puts a chase sequence in it yeah. which is like yeah yeah whatever right like every james bond movie does does this does does that also like, yeah yeah it's i don't know it really feels like he he laid a standard for what the adventure story is gonna become like it's yeah well known that people like steven spielberg were huge tintin fans like that's why he made a Tintin movie later, and it mm. really shows in stuff like Indiana Jones that it was oh, inspired yeah. by these kinds of stories, for better or worse. Because obviously, Indiana Jones <laughs> yeah. is also not without its uh, Orientalisms. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But yeah, that's just where we are, and and like you know, just from a pure technical comic standpoint, like mm. this is as good as it gets. <laughs> like. Yeah, we're yeah. we're at the point where there's absolutely nothing to criticize on the art. No, absolutely not. Yeah, yeah, and just like because like, I think like I think we've even like stopped mentioning like little gems of like composition, like moments whenever Snowy has the like night helmet on, like yeah. like we and there's m- so many more. Like we've just kind of stopped mentioning it, mentioning it because it happens so much and it's just so good. Yeah, it's just so good all over. Yeah. Um, so, are you happy enough to put this at number two, just under oh, Secret of the Unicorn? Absolutely, yeah. Sorry, Blue Lotus, you are now at number three. <laughs> um, all right. Is that us? I think that's us. That's us, Nay. That's another episode. Yeah, yeah. Another one down in the content mines. Another one just churned out. Uh, well, <laughs> listeners, we will see you in two weeks' time when we will be uh, imprisoned by the sun. We may even need to have a special guest come and rescue us from we that. We have someone in the next episode. Um, th- when the last when we did the last tease of who the next guest is going to be, uh, listen, I'm going to call out uh, the, the friend of the show, Mork, here, because they were like, uh, well, when you said the next episode is going to be someone both of us have podcasted with um <laughs> you know that could have been like several people like you you did a show together that had like three more hosts but for for the next <laughs> for your next guest tease this is i'm gonna address this one to more specifically mm-hmm. Mark, our, hi, Mark. our next guest is someone you have hosted a podcast or are hosting <laughs> a podcast with uh, all right folks i'll take the high road and i take the road ah that was the wrong one. And I take the low. I don't know if I said the right one either. It might no, be lower was, first. I just I don't I, I can't just remember. Stum- my my tongue stumbled and I said like I'll take the row, which is not a word. The row load. The road. I'll take the road. So, let's take the road by Real McCarthy. Bye. I'll search across the land. Look far and wide. Release from my hand the power that's inside. Venomoth, polywag, Nidorino, Golduck, Hypersaur, Grimer, Victory Bell, Moltres, Needle King, Farfetch, Abra, Jigglypuff, Kingler, Rhyhorn, Clefable, Wigglytuff. Catch em, catch